0: Welcome to another episode of Fight the Burnout. Uh, We have, as always, another special guest uh, from Arizona. Uh, But before we get going into that, there's a couple of things. First thing, take one thing away from this episode and start implementing it into your life. There's a ton of information out there these days, uh, but too many people are looking for all the information and never taking action. So just take action on one thing today uh, and your life will be better for it um, moving forward. The next thing as well as this episode, uh, as at the moment is sponsored by, uh, create from Y, uh, and our lean into it motorcycle retreat running on the 20th of May out of Sedona, um, Arizona. So seven days, full VIP motorcycle hire, everything is covered. Just come ride recharge and network with some amazing people and learn from me the specific tools to, so you don't need to just rely on motorcycling you can uh, recharge continuously so without further ado we have matt thomas today from pinel county sheriff's office in uh, arizona and hopefully i pronounced that right because i got it so wrong so many times before we started (laughs) recording uh but he's going to talk to us about his very long career in the sheriff's uh sheriff's office and um his experiences with burnout and also a book that he's wrote which i know nothing about so i'm looking forward to hearing more about that one Uh, but matt without further ado tell us a little bit about yourself and start off with why did you join policing
1: well uh it was either that or go to prison so (laughs) hey you picked a much better option (laughs) uh no quite frankly i i grew up in a in a pretty rough area um and a, a few of my friends are in prison they they got wrapped up in gangs and stuff and uh um, that was my exposure to law enforcement as well, because, you know, in a high crime area, you kind of get exposed to law enforcement. And uh, my grandparents were World War II veterans, and I was always kind of drawn to some type of service, like I felt in my heart, like I needed to serve in some capacity. And and honestly, uh, I was, you know, as I got into high school, and you're trying to figure out who you are, um, I was teetering because I had family that were on the wrong side of the law, family that were on the right side of the law. And uh it could have gone either way for me. And luckily, um my now my wife of coming up on 30 years ended up uh pregnant at 19. And uh, you know, it was time for me, and my mom told me she sat me down and she said, You can do one of two things. You can run away from this situation, which is not the manly thing to do, or you can be a good person and a good man, and you can embrace this and uh get your rear in gear and you know start making a life and so uh looking around i thought i gotta get i gotta get something that's steady government work was steady police work was where i was drawn it was either this or the military and uh, at 20 years old i got hired by pinal county and been there
0: since that's awesome man that's awesome now tell us a little bit about your policing career love to have a have a brief yeah. overview of the things that you've done the i don't know the commendations, if you want to talk about them, if there are any, the the things that didn't go so well, um, but yeah, just a few <laughs> different, like the areas that you've gone into and the things that you've done and like a highlight reel as such. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah. And it's, uh, you're going to completely understand how ADD I am when you hear <laughs> all the things I've done, because uh, about every two or three years, I would get the itch to move to something else because I was like, all right, I got to do something else. Yep. But uh, I, I started in the jail, uh, working in detention. And uh, that was just about a year. And uh, then I went out to wh- what we call going out to the road, became a deputy sheriff. And my first assignment was patrol like most everybody else. Uh, so I worked patrol and did that for a few years and decided I wanted to move into some specialty units. So I did uh, traffic, which was fatal accidents, uh, speed details, DUI, that kind of stuff. And uh, while in traffic, I got exposed to drug interdiction as well. Uh, Cause we would work with uh, the, the drug interdictors and that is like, I got hooked there. I was, I was hooked on the drug interdiction stuff and the gangs. Um, so uh, moving forward, I got recruited into undercover work. And so I worked undercover for a, a short stint as a uh, detective promoted out of that and uh, went back to patrol as a patrol sergeant. And then Uh, Moving forward, as a sergeant, I spent almost nine years as a sergeant. That was patrol, that was training, the academy. Then I went back to NARCS as the undercover sergeant, uh, and then back into traffic. And when I went back into traffic, I stood up our first motor unit for our agency, and so I became a motor as well, and promoted from that to lieutenant. Went back to uh, the undercover work, the anti-smuggling, uh, and during all of that time, from about 1997 on, I was part of our SWAT team as well, but they're a collateral duty team. So I did SWAT for about 18 years of the wow. of the 29 that I've been on the force.
0: Wow, that's a that's a career. So lots of lots of changing, lots of changing around. Before we go further, what would you? Because I'm sure there's going to be some things around burnout there and the ways that you got around it and the things that you learned from it. But first off, what would your definition of burnout be for you? Because I know there's the Webster Dictionary, which is around, you know, continual stress and fatigue, on um, both physically and mentally. Uh, And I just botched that. It's not exactly those words, but it's around that similar thing. But everybody kind of has their own experience with it and their own thinking around like when they've kind of been burned out, whether it be minor or be major. What would your definition of burnout uh, be for yourself? Oh, man, Uh, I think for me, burnout, uh, I don't even know if I
1: can give it a definition, but more of a feel. Mm -hmm. Um, It just felt like I was spinning my wheels and going nowhere that I was stuck in a rut um, that I hated everything and everybody. (laughs) Um, so it was, it was all those combined. And sometimes one would outweigh the other, right? Sometimes I just really felt like I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything. I'm not having fun. And then other times it would just weigh real heavy on you where you're alienating friends and family and all that stuff, because, uh, you think everybody's an asshole. And then all of a sudden you figure out like, Oh shit, it's me. I'm the asshole. (laughs)
0: i'm glad you said that because it is so true isn't it we're we're like oh everybody's an asshole everybody's out to get us oh wait a second i'm the asshole and i'm out to get everybody wait Wait, actually hold on um what do i need to do (laughs) about that so i know we'll talk about that uh so matt um throughout your career obviously when would you say your earliest feeling of that burnout kind of started
1: oh it was probably as a sergeant and, uh, it would have been around the 2002, 2003 era. Um, and I had 2001 was a rough year. Uh, I, my wife and I lost a a baby at at birth and, uh, that was a major life event. Um, one of the guys at work that I had FTO would I knew his family real well. I still am, you know, good friends with his dad was shot and killed um, at our agency. And then, um, so add to that. So may my buddy shot and killed August. I lose a baby. September 11th happens in September. And so 2001 was just one of those years that just kept kicking you every time, you know, you tried to get up. And, uh, so coming out of that, uh, into Oh two Oh three and probably Oh four. Um, just like what I was describing started happening, right. um, Alienating people, um, isolating yourself and uh, just not understanding why you can't get along with people, why you don't want to be around people, um, why you hate everybody, why somebody switching a lane in front of you makes you want to rip them out of a car and snap their neck, you know, all that kind of stuff that goes along with the burnout. Uh, That's where I really saw it. And, and uh, you know, I think it was at that point too that uh, without even realizing what I was trying to do uh, became, I, I don't want to say suicidal because I, I didn't want to kill myself, but I started taking more and more risks um, mm-hmm. and I would do just more and more crazy shit because I didn't care if I got killed. And actually I was probably looking forward to it. Oh. And so um, I, I, looking back, that's definitely a point where I was, I was
0: on edge and really burned out. No, I can definitely relate to, relate to that feeling of uh, just, I'll just do some crazy shit. And if it happens, it happens. You know, I, I ride motorcycles, man. It's at the time (laughs) when I was going through my burnout, back in about 2014, it kind of started. And then in 2015, it was real bad. 2016, real bad. I literally pushed my motorcycle into corners faster than I was capable of just, yep. yeah. And then, and then have that shit. Oh shit moment afterwards. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's a scary time, isn't it? It's, it's scary sitting in that situation. It is. Looking back
1: When you're in it. Yeah. When you're in it, you're, you know, you're in the eye of the storm, but, uh, when you come out of it and you realize, man, had I been successful, how much you would
0: have lost and how much pain you would actually cause. Yeah. It's, it's scary. Especially being officers because we, we see regularly, what that right so you know that that actual follow-through ends up ends up causing as a flow-on effect was it you or was it somebody else that helped you identify that you were sitting in that that first time
1: oh man um i can't attribute myself i don't think i think it was uh my wife like i said she's she's a wife of almost 30 years now so we've been through our fair share of ups and downs and life's tragedies and life's successes and wins um and i think it was her that uh it it was a combo of of her basically saying um you're the asshole and you know you have alienated your family and, and having a very honest discussion with me and then not only her telling me that but her her letting me know how my kids felt about me Mm. and that they viewed me the same way, which was, I mean, that cuts to your core. When you hear things like your, your children are afraid of you because you go into such rage sometimes, you know, Um, and it's so crazy because you, you tell yourself I'm doing everything for you guys, but then you turn around and you treat them horribly and you know my wife would always tell me when she would try to put me in check she would say don't treat us like a suspect and that would be her cue to me that i'm being a complete asshole you know towards them um and it's hard to get yourself out of that mode so i you know when i would be in those dark spots with the family you do you just go cop mode on them and you start treating them like the
0: worst suspect that you're dealing with yeah how many Uh, Can you remember how many times it took for her to having that conversation with you for it to actually click? Uh, no, I don't. I, I think
1: when we were on the verge of divorce, we had separated, I had moved out, um, and we were really struggling in our marriage. Um, and I, I think it was during that time. Um, actually it was, it was when we sat down because we were still being, you know, nice to each other. We weren't, we weren't, hateful towards each other or anything. And it was when we sat down to discuss who's going to get what and splitting everything up and all that. And you start going through things and you start going through your history. You're like, man, or I was anyways, I was like, how the hell did we get to this point? Like, you mm-hmm. know, cause when you start looking at your history and you're like, oh, we were really good. Like, you know, how did we get here? And uh, then when you start talking about it reasonably, you figure out, right. Like, I know how we got here. Like I I was pushing the wagon this way, you know, and this is how we got here. Um, and so it was those conversations that helped me realize two things that a lot of it had been me, and that I didn't I didn't want what was coming. Mm-hmm. I I wanted my family, I wanted my wife, I I didn't want to, you know, be by myself. I didn't want to go through the whole find someone new and uh, you know, go through all that crap again. Um, I was I was happy with my family. I just wasn't happy with myself and it was it was taking
0: an effect on my family and all the relationships. It's amazing that like I've talked to lots of people. I've am very similar situation to you, except for I didn't get to the stage where we were talking about what 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 each person would get. I just I almost cheered on my wife and then came home and was like, I'm done, I want a divorce. And she turned to me at that point go to counseling with me. And she's asked me a few times, why did you say yes to counseling again? Uh, The first couple of times I put my hand up and and asked for it after a lot of kicking and screaming in my own part. Uh, (laughs) I'll be honest. Uh, But it is, it's that whole thing of, you know, we do this. And it's funny, I see a lot of my story and yours. And this is why I'm talking about it is I joined the police because I needed that I wanted that secure job. I wanted to be with my now wife, not because she got pregnant or anything along those lines, but just because you know, I wanted to be with her. I didn't want to go off and sail around the world and come back for short times. And when she said come to counseling one more time, it was like I'm not, a, I don't, I don't give up in the fight, which I think makes us extremely great cops. But at the same time, it can be, you know, it can be detrimental at the same time, but with our relationships it's, a, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? When we get thrown that family or job or family or the path that we're on, if, if we, if we're honest with ourselves, we can actually kind of shift and change that. What would be. From that interaction, you know, back then, have you had any bouts of burnout since within your law enforcement career? And we'll get into some of the fun stuff that you've done as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. I, uh, you know, again, that was, so I was a sergeant then. And uh, then I got into, I became, uh, later on in my in my sergeant tenure, like towards the end of my being a sergeant, and as I promoted into a lieutenant, I was definitely burned out again. But uh, this time it, it wasn't career burnout. It was burnout from my administration at the time. Mm. Um, I was not aligned on ideals with them. Um, I was not aligned with how they treated people. Uh, none of that stuff. I, I, felt that, uh, I, this was my agency. I had been here since I was 20 years old. I felt they were just using the agency as a stepping stone for other things to, you know, go up the ladder, go on to other jobs, whatever. Um, and that they were disingenuine, um, in their reasoning for doing things that it was more self-serving and I've never agreed with that. I've always been one of those guys that, that sticks up for the, the small dude and, and that, uh, you know, fights for those that are, that are being bullied and stuff like that. And so I got burned out because they have control over your life, you know, And, and, uh, it's, it's very easy to become hateful again because you you feel like you go to work to fight evil and then you end up fighting your own people more than you're fighting bad guys and you're like what in the fuck is going on like why is this a thing why are my own trying to eat me they should be the ones backing me right and the crazy thing is some of these people that you work with that act like that you you would absolutely take a bullet for them but you know Outside of that, like outside of work, I, I wouldn't want to be around them. I wouldn't want to talk to them. I wouldn't want to associate with them. Um, and so it's, it's a really weird phenomenon. And, and I think it's, you know, us in the military where you absolutely despise the person that's wearing the uniform next to you because of how they are, but you would still die for them. <laughs> so it's it's just yeah, a weird yeah. phenomenon.
0: your values don't that line up, that just right? screws you up. Don't, your values don't line up but you, but at heart you still are like i'll still die for you because you know that's just what we like it's what we do and it's who we are because we're here to protect and and and, and give everything um for others between the two burnouts that, that are there and was there any further ones along after lieutenant and that have you had any since then
1: uh, I think I, honestly, I think I'm in a little bit of a rut right now. And um, I don't think I'm burned out, but I, I feel tired. You know what I mean? Um, and I feel, I, I get worn down and it's, again, it's your own people. A lot of times that wear you yeah. down because uh, as, as a, you know, in, in the role that I'm in now, I'm second in command of our agency. So I answer directly to the sheriff. He's the head of the agency. I'm in charge of all operations, all personnel. And I know how I feel about my people. I absolutely love my people. I care for them deeply. I want to see everybody do great things. Um, but you get people that are just hateful, people that are never happy in, in what you're doing. or they always try to claim that you have some ulterior motive in the decisions that you make. And so that all wears on you and it becomes what people don't realize is there's a thing called cumulative stress, right? So if you have that constant cumulative stress, that can burn you out. And so you get to points where you really are. There's points, there's days where I'm just looking around and I have people bitching at me, griping at me. I'm not doing what I should be doing, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, fuck all of you, because I am working my ass off. My family has paid the price for over three decades for all the work that I've done. I continue to pour into the agency, to pour into the county, to pour into the people. And there's those days where you just, you want to fight all your own people because you're like, how dare you, you know, do that. And I know that goes through all ranks and all levels, you know, it happens like that. And so um, I I don't think I'm in burnout because I I have much better coping mechanisms now. And, you know, quite frankly, uh, the minute that I actually listened to a good friend and started seeing a counselor, That helped a lot because what what I didn't realize is as I got later on in my career and the stress started manifesting into physical stuff like heart palpitations, anxiety, uh, panic attacks, all the stuff that as a dude, there is no way that I ever thought I would be saying that I have experienced those things because you don't say that A,
0: and B we're dudes we're tough we, yeah. we fight through that stuff and your an alpha but, personality as a cop <laughs> yeah absolutely but when you're when your body has a physiological
1: reaction that you have zero control over mm. and you're like what the fuck um, and then you sit down with a professional and they're like okay well here's what's going on you know it's essentially it's stress and it's all the the trauma that you faced And and trauma is different for everybody right so Um, you can't say like, I can't minimize somebody else's trauma and compare it to my trauma. I I can say, Hey, I've been in some gunfights. I've seen, you know, broken bones, people smashed, picked up brains. I've done all that stuff. And that's all my trauma. Um, And some of it has affected me negatively, negatively. And some of it hasn't. Somebody else might have never seen any of that stuff, but whatever they faced as their trauma can cause them the exact same issues. And so know it's it's just so this thing is so weird and has so much control
0: <laughs> it so does it so does and that's why we do the podcast is because you know and I love the fact Matt that you're so open and you can tell you're so open because you've done so much work you know throughout your 30 year career uh on yourself and you've had some challenging times like you've talked about already with us what would you say between the th- you know the two times and even now what would you say the key things are that you well, we kind of know what's caused it, but the, th- the key things that have caused you to be able to um, come out of it and come out of it, you know, with those extra coping mechanisms, what would be like two to three of those, those key things that you think are there?
1: Well, so I would say one key component, like I already mentioned was the, the counseling, seeing a professional mm-hmm. to break down what is actually going on with you and talk through where your issues are and, and, and uh, you know, because I think they make you feel more normal about it if that makes sense they they kind of let you know like, hey, you're not crazy, this is a thing, and it happens to human beings, and so you're a human being. And so they kind of normalize it, they break it down for you, and they make you understand like, okay, it's not I'm not going crazy um and and they give you some coping mechanisms. um, I would say,, uh, that's one of the things. um the other thing is. Um, looking at the world different mm-hmm. and um, treating people differently and uh, being more, uh, I, I guess, more forgiving, more accepting of of others' personalities, others' fights where they're at. And I think once you've, you've come through this and you're on the back end of it, it's even easier because you can be like, oh, I know where you're at. Like, I can see it. I I was you, you know, 10 years ago. Um, so I think that's another thing is, is having gone through it, you know, you recognize, uh, but I'm going to tell you the number one thing is faith. Um, when I went back to church yeah. and uh, I engaged my faith, that was the number one game changer for me. And, and what's funny is you always hear it. It's very cliche. Like you're always trying to fill this void with something, right. And people fill it with sex, drugs, gambling, whatever. Uh, same thing. You know, I was filling it with danger and, so all this, all this other crap, um, and when I got back to faith, it it realigned
0: everything for me, and mm-hmm. uh, so that, that was the biggest piece. Why do you believe faith did that for you? I know not everybody like I'm not a I'm not a religious guy or anything, and right. So I, but why do you believe that faith did it for you, so that you know people can understand understand that side? I think uh, the biggest
1: piece was just just understanding that that, A, you're not in control, um, that that there is a higher power, um, that there is a, and, and for me, I'm a predetermined path kind of guy, like that my life has already been planned out. My ex- expiration date is already on me as soon as I was born. Um, and so letting go a lot of, of the small worry stuff where, you know, I worry about people, what people think about you, worry about this, worry about stop worrying about all that and so when I got back to faith I think that was the biggest thing is was letting go of stuff I actually within the first year of getting back to church I went around and there was guys that I had not got along with in my career we had uh, you know sabotaged each other because you don't like each other all that kind of shit and I went back to two or three different people and sat them down and I apologized for everything I had ever done to them that was not cool and uh told them that you know i don't hold any grudges for everything they had done to me and that i would just like to move forward and and uh and started treating people differently and and started treating them moving forward started treating everybody like that so if i would get wronged instead of taking it personally and reacting emotionally I would just say, okay, I know why you're doing this, right? There's obviously an issue. And I tell my my staff this all the time as we're developing leaders. I tell them that your position as a leader demands you to drop the emotions. And I know it's hard to, hard to do, but you have to drop the emotions because you can't be emotional in your decision-making when you're dealing with people's lives. Um, and that you also have to understand that when you drop the emotion and you just talk rationally to people or deal with people rationally, that you have to be very forgiving. And you have to understand that they may be yelling at me, bitching at me, but I'm not really the target. It's something else going on in their life that is causing that reaction. And so a lot of times, even as we deal with discipline, you know, the sheriff and I, one of our first questions is somebody screws up and we're asking our leadership, have you checked into what's going on with them personally? Because we know that has a direct effect on everything. And has anybody noticed behavior changes in this person leading up to this event? Um, because that's the first thing we want to know because that has a huge effect on where we're going to go from there.
0: Also, um, the flip side as well, the things happening at work then have an effect at home, which then affects yeah. work. and it becomes this tumbleweed, this snowball yeah. effect, and it just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. I have a question for you because you just had three great things in there how are you using those for the state that you're currently sitting in with at work with that kind of draining feeling that you're getting oh man i i think um
1: faith is my biggest one still uh mm-hmm. because and and why is because of the connections i've made through that realm um uh, you know my men's group at church uh the the friends that i have that are not law enforcement like they're outside of you know this little club um and just talking to them because the thing you quickly realize when men start actually talking to one another instead of acting you know peacocking and acting like we all have to not have problems when you start talking to each other it's crazy because it doesn't matter what profession you're in we all face stress we all have family issues we all have crazy stuff happening in our lives Um, and just being able. So again, drawing back to faith because that has made those connections that I can now lean on and just have these discussions without feeling judged because I'm telling them stuff and they're telling me stuff and we're just having good discussions over a campfire and beer sometimes and, and just talking through men. So, and it's, it's, I think it's, uh, it's energizing, um, and this is going to sound kind of weird because you're getting energized off of negativity, but it's energizing to hear other people's problems sometimes because it normalizes it for you. And it also lets you understand that it's not just you like the back to that. You're not crazy, right? It's it's not just you. It's everybody. Everybody faces it. Everybody just handles it differently,
0: especially when it's people that aren't in the same industry or career as you you're like wait a second you're not a cop and you're still having the same issues as I. oh okay cool it's 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 not just us it's not just us okay cool i can kind of that's okay or you go down the track of if you're too far gone you got on the track of oh this whole world is fucked (laughs) yeah (laughs) and hopefully you're not there if you're there you definitely need to go back to number one that matt said the counselor um yeah but no i think that's it it, you're, you're, you're spot on with with those you know I, I believe in uh, you know a purpose, having a purpose and a driving purpose of your life, of who you are. A lot of people, you know, it sounds like you you're getting a lot of that from from faith and it gets you to interpret and shift the way that you look at the world, the people around you, your clientele. Um, I mean, your clientele now is probably more the, the you know, the officers and the the, the troops. But as an officer, your clientele is the bottom two to 10% of society all the time. And guess what? The world is not just all that way. Um, And by, by, by having that purpose and attaching that to what you do, you're constantly being fulfilled, aren't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you made an important point that especially for cops listening to this, it's important for them to understand there is a point in your career And mine was about, if I can pinpoint it, it was right about the seven year mark, five to seven year mark. There was a point in my career where everybody was an asshole. Everybody was a bad guy. Everybody was an asshole. They all needed to go to jail. I don't care what you did. If you broke the law, go to jail. I don't care about the circumstances. Um, And if you are at a point where you're feeling that way, you're always on edge. You're always hyper vigilant because everybody's an asshole that needs to go to jail you're burned out and you—you. You, that's when you need to get help because here's the truth is what you said. We're dealing with like 2% of the population. The problem is you get so myopic that you're focusing on that 2% and it looks like 100% of the world. And then you start treating good people that way. And that's where cops get in trouble is when we deal with normal members of society who have just made a mistake, but we treat them like the worst criminal asshole we've ever met in our career they get a very bad taste in their mouth for law enforcement. And that's one of the biggest changes I've made in how I deal with people because I was that guy. Like I I didn't give a shit who you were, what your background was, any of that stuff. You broke the law, you're going to jail, bottom line, boom, done. Um, And now, you know, I'll hang out with guys that are career felons but have changed their life and um, have become different people. I would have never done that before ever. Like that was way out of my realm. Uh, but now I have no issue with that because I look at people as people.
0: I think you, you've hit it. You've hit a massive point there. And it's something that, you know, when you tie into that purpose, when you tie into yourself and you actually know who you are, you can then turn up to people in a different way. Uh, whereas my from what I've seen, a lot of us law enforcement, we do, we, we come into it not knowing who we are in the beginning. Uh, and when you don't know who you are in the beginning, then you just try and become that image of whatever it is. You know, I see, you know, if you're watching this video, you know, there's a, I don't know if that's you in tech gear on the yeah. the poster behind you, if that's you in tech gear, <laughs> a new cop is going, you know, maybe they, they're inspired by the tech kind of side of, of the job. And they're like, that's me. I want to be, I need to be that person. And they have this image of who they have to become to be that And all of a sudden you lose yourself. And when you lose yourself, that it it spirals that burnout so much faster because you're actually internally fighting against yourself because you're like, Oh no, I need to be this staunch person who hates everybody who, you know, because maybe you saw a cop that was that way. Maybe you saw a movie that a cop was that way. And you're like, yeah, that that's how you get stuff done. Um, but when you identify and you touch in, which it sounds like you now have Matt, uh, you touch into actually who you are and you bring that person to the job, yeah. all of a sudden it changes everything. It changes the way that you respond oh, yeah. to respond to the trauma, it changes the way that you respond to that criminal, it changes the way that you respond to that person who just beat the shit out of a kid. Yep. Because you come from a place of yourself, not um not a place of who you the image of who you or the mask, as I like right. to call it, right. that mask um that you're bringing to the job those times where you need that mask because you need to kind of step those emotions off this but yep. knowing who you are means that you can come back and you can take that mask off and that stuff doesn't right. doesn't hit right. you as hard well and that's a uh like i
1: have a good friend that, that teaches combatives and it's a lot like that in combatives right you you we're basically we're protectors um and a lot of times we look a lot like bad guys in our behavior but we have the morality piece as protectors, or we should. And so sometimes you have to get violent in this job. And I'm not against that because there's violent people out there and we need to address them with the same, Um, but we have the morality. So we get to a point where we have either proven our point or we have, uh, you know, stopped the threat and then morality kicks in for us because we're not criminals and thugs. And then we go back to being a person. And so you do have to, and that's the the part that's tough is the flipping the switch on and off. And sometimes the switch breaks (laughs) you just, you know, you're, you're in it all the time.
0: And that's, that's where knowing who you are and um, I'm a huge advocate for, you know, knowing your why, knowing your purpose, knowing who you are, because then you can, you have that foundation. When you've built that habit of reminding yourself who it is, you can switch back. That switch is less likely to break because like you said, we have to, and I I talk a lot about, you know, on my social media, on different things, I talk a lot about, um, you know, the alter ego. Who do you need to become to win? Because there are going to be times where you need to become something different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to, yeah to win, absolutely. especially in those fights and those situations where somebody, they're yeah. honestly trying to kill you. And if somebody's right. trying to kill, I've never been in a gunfight, thank God. Um, But you, as it sounds like you have, that person's trying to kill you. So you have yeah. to step up that game. You have to become that version of yourself, or the the version of wh- whatever you need to to win. But then it comes yeah. down to then you switch yourself back on instead of taking that hundred, that that tenth, twelfth, whatever kind of shot into somebody, or that third or whatever it kind of is. You know, is that excess? Um, because it is, is that mor- that morality? We're here to protect people and protect ourselves um, at the same time. Matt, what would you say your why and purpose is, Um, you know, I, I've uncovered a, a process that, you know, and, and figured out it stems back to our childhood normally, our mm-hmm. why and purpose to some events back in there, we won't go into that, but it's part of kind of what I do. uh, And it kind of has helped us through our childhood through our teens through our 20s 30s and our careers helped us you know really hone in when we're in that you know that that fire stage where we're just you know feel excited we're lit up it, it's because we're meeting that what would you say yours right. possibly possibly is with where you're sitting at in the moment that you know
1: oh man this is a deep question this, this is a much deeper question than people understand mm-hmm. um, because there's so many facades and so i would say if i'm being 100% honest and and getting digging down to my core, I would say it's the the, the honor of my family's name, right? Mm. Um, and that that I, I had a very tough grandpa growing up. He was my father figure. He was just a hardcore old Texan World War II vet. And I wanted nothing more than to make him proud. Um, and he always instilled in me that your name is all you have. And so I think honoring that and making sure that everybody, you know, when, when I say my name, they're like, no, that dude, that's a good dude. And he's a good cop. And so that has always driven me. And I think that the second driving factor to that is when people discount me. So I, I have that as the driving factor that I, I want to have a good name in this business and in this world as both a good man and a good cop. And when people tell me I can't do something, I'm like, watch this motherfucker. <laughs>
0: oh, If we ever, if, if when I'm over in Phoenix, if we meet up, we're going to, I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of fun because we have a lot of similarities. <laughs> it's like I mean, my thing for a long time was you say, I can't do it. And my wife says still to this day, don't dare Chris to do something because like, right. it, as long as it's not going to kill him or hurt somebody, it, it, he'll probably figure out a way to do it. Um, And okay. it used to, my thing used to be always be, oh yeah. Okay, cool. Hold my beer. <laughs> Yep. I'll be right back. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, no, I love that man. I love that whole, you know, the 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 honoring the the name. Um, You've had obviously had a lot of thought about this, and you can you can see it through our interview today. You know, you talked about you know um, your your grandparents and the the World War II being World War II vets and and that and how that kind of drove you into the the policing and that side of stuff. So it's that uh, it you mm-hmm. can definitely see how it's kind of it's been in there um, on stuff. Uh, as we wrap up, um, tell me a little bit about the book. I want to know about the book oh, and kind of where that stemmed yeah. from, and, and, and what so it's this, about. This,
1: uh, this thing behind me is not like. Uh, It's not a like, hey, I'm a cool guy. (laughs) Are you sure? Are you sure with your sunglasses
0: (laughs) and your tag vest? I know, I know. Your torch, your flashlight.
1: (laughs) This is is actually the cover of my book. So The book is called Interceptors, uh, the untold fight against the Mexican cartel. And and so what the book consists of, start to finish, uh, I'll give you a quick breakdown. The start basically goes through my history as a kid growing up uh, in a a rough neighborhood, all pretty much all Mexican gang area um, controlled by them. And then moving into my teens, into high school, my mom moved me away from that because there was a lot of trouble going on. We moved out to a rural area and I continued to be uh, just immersed in the Mexican culture. I, I, in high school, um, it was, it was a heavy Hispanic influence, Mexican influence. I worked the summers in the fields, I worked in the potato fields, working on a potato digger with immigrants. Um, and so I, I tell all of that because I want people to have an understanding of my background and how I grew up. So when I'm talking about the Mexican culture as a white guy, they understand why I know what I know. Um, and then I go from there into my law enforcement career. And I just kind of uh, touch on how the law enforcement career started and how I got into this work. And then I go into the cartels themselves that we deal with here. And we mainly deal with the Sinaloa cartel in Arizona, uh, but we have a little bit of, you must know, be fun at the, from all the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. It's never fun, but yeah. <laughs> Especially um, with everything
0: going on in Mexico at the moment. It, oh like... <laughs> dude. Yeah. It's a hot mess. The whole thing's
1: a hot mess. Uh, but then I, so I go into the structure of the cartel a little bit, uh, how they're structured as we fight them. Um, I go into the narco culture because they have their own culture, really, and they have their own belief system. They have uh, somewhat of their own religion. So I go into some of that. And then I go into some of the operations we did, which were counter-narcotic, counter-cartel uh, operations in the southwest portion of our county out in the open desert. And um, the operations themselves are are what I what usually gets people most stoked because they don't know that most of this stuff is going on unless they're in the business and in this particular part of the business.
0: No, that's awesome, man. I'm, 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 in, I'm intrigued on it. it. sounds like you could make a movie or a TV show on it as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> uh, it, sounds, it sounds like, yeah, it sounds very interesting. It sounds like some of the TV shows that I've watched already. Um, right. So if somebody wants to, um, you know, what's the overall, I'm an outcome driven guy. What's the overall outcome message or that from the book that you are kind of, you're delivering through it?
1: So the the biggest message is at the back end of that where I tell people essentially it takes a village, right? So um, all the problems that come along with drugs, cartels, all that stuff, we're a consumer nation in the US, right? And so it's all being pushed for a reason. Um, And what I kind of relay to people is there's two things. A, to honor the men and women that are doing this job every day and all the, so when they read the book and they're like, oh my God, you guys are doing some crazy stuff. Yeah, they do it every day. Like there's cops out there doing this stuff every day and you should honor the work that they do because it is some of the best work on the planet and you don't have the life you have without it. Um, so that's one. And then to also get them to understand that we can't do it by ourselves. It it takes the whole community. And um, I, I tell people all the time, especially in this position, The true definition of community policing is when the community is doing the policing and we just have to show up to take care of the very serious stuff. Um, so those are the two messages is community, like get involved and back your cops and honor what they do. Oh, I love that. I love that, man.
0: How does somebody get a copy of it?
1: Uh, two ways they can. The easiest way is to go to my website. I've got a website where I have it. I have links to the books, uh, and it's also, um, available on on the like Kindle, Amazon, Apple Books. Uh, but if they go to onetimenation.com
0: they'll they can see a little bit about my background and they can uh, link up to the book there as well. Perfect. I'll drop that website in the in the description down below this um, as well so people can go have a look at it uh, and what would be your what would be your top tip currently? Maybe one to two tips to help an aspiring or future police officer. Uh actually, no, let me rephrase that question. Sorry, my mind went somewhere different. Uh I'm good. What would you t- what would you love to tell yourself 30 years ago? <laughs> Don't be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> To, you know, to help, to help prevent some of the things that happen, obviously, you know, we, yeah. we don't, we, we, we learn through our mistakes uh, right. and otherwise they become a mistake if you don't learn from them, but you know, to, to, to better advance yourself fast, like quicker. So you didn't, maybe, maybe you could have, you know, jumped ahead to, to where you are now sooner by not having to go through all those troubles, troubles, or, you know, struggles or challenges. What would you have loved to have, you know, taught yourself back? on day one? Um, probably
1: the, the, what we talked about already is to not get caught up in the persona, the facade of this job, right. Of, of the image or just to be the person you are, stay grounded and stay grounded to what's actually important to you. Because I think we get wrapped up in this job in thinking the job is everything. And that, the job is going to carry you through everything. And what I've figured out, especially now that I'm at the back end of my career, is that the job really doesn't give a shit about you. The The family, your family, your loved ones, they care about you. And what ends up happening is you go all in on this job. And, you know, this this could have been me very easily, if not by the grace of God, you go all in on the job and you push everybody out of your your way to do that. And then you get to the end of the job. And I think this is why a lot of us eat our gun, to be quite honest. You get to the end of this and you have pushed away everything you actually love. And this job just kicks you to the curb and keeps going forward.
0: Mm. Yeah, so true. So, so true is, you know, that identity crisis that so many have when they when they go to leave or they think about leaving. It's like, well, what else? Or who am I without it? Dead right. true there, man. Espe-
1: especially if you push. Yeah. you actually wanted to be away from it. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. I would say that was to answer your question. It would be to,
0: to not fall into that trap. Mm-hmm. I love it. Last question. I always ask, what is your top tip to self-happiness?
1: Top tip to self-happiness is just have fun and just enjoy life. Like, uh, I think, we, we fall into another trap of taking everything so serious. And, and, you know, everybody feels like they have to have some title and they have to be this or that, and, and you have to be serious. And I'm known as a jokester. And i be honest with you, man, I don't fit in with people at my rank because of that. Like, I don't give a shit about your title. I don't give a shit about all the PhDs or whatever you have on your wall. Like, none of that means anything to me. Are you a good person? Do you treat people good? And do you have fun? That's really all that matters.
0: Mm, Yeah, dead right. I love it. I love it. There you go. You you heard it from Matt. Just have fun. Uh, It doesn't (laughs) matter what rank you're at. Just have fun. Uh, Awesome, Matt. Any last words before we wrap up? Well,
1: all I would really say is uh, no matter what your profession is, that uh, you got to have fun. You got to be a decent human being. That's the only way our world is going to
0: move forward in a good way i couldn't agree couldn't agree more uh well thank you matt for for being here for taking the time out of your out of your day i uh, look forward to having a having a skim through the book i'm not uh, i I'll, I'll do my best to read it but i'm not going to make any promises i just i just good, don't, i don't read books i think i've read like a dozen books in my entire life um but i listen <laughs> to audiobooks from time to time when i'm riding my motorcycle yeah. so i will I, I, i'll put it on the list uh but for those out there make sure you do get a copy of it uh and um you'll find that link in the description and uh yeah thanks matt for all you're doing thanks for your 30 years of service and what you're doing now for the, you know the, the troops uh, and helping them out i look forward to hopefully maybe seeing you when i'm in uh when i'm in phoenix uh and yeah. having having a beer or just a catch-up uh and for everybody out there that's listening like i said at the very beginning of this episode take one thing and run with it whether it be, you know, just have fun, whether it be go to a counselor, maybe it be just taking a self check moment, Uh, just take one thing run with it. And once you get that ingrained into your into habit, uh, then come back and grab another one. We do multiple episodes, we do these episodes so that you can learn from other people's experiences. It's not because we're better than you. It's not because we know more. It's because we're just willing to talk about it. And if you're willing to talk about it, hit me up uh, as well. uh, And we'll get you on the on the show. Uh, but otherwise, if you are struggling, you are having any challenges, just go to createfromwhy.com. You can find out more information on how you can work with me. Uh, And if you can't work with me uh, because of some reason, we'll find you somebody that you can. Uh, We want to make this uh, profession and world a better place. And that's the way we do it. Till next time. Thank you very much. Make sure you like, subscribe and send this out to somebody and share it so that, you know, they can get a little bit of information. Till next time, train hard, test easy. We love you all.